0: say, you know, I know that today being Valentine's Day, there can be several people out there who are desiring for someone to say the words, I love you. Um, You'll search for it, you'll long for it. In fact, when we were young growing up, um, our teachers understood the need for someone to express love for you. So on Valentine's Day, you weren't allowed to just give a Valentine to the person that you liked in school. You actually had to bring Valentine's for everyone or no one and and so you'd get that uh, that, that Valentine and, and and you'd feel good but you didn't always know if you were special because it was it was a rule that everyone had to get it. See the number one thing that everyone wants the most and needs the most is love. but sometimes we cannot see the love that's already around us. Sometimes we'll, we'll long for love from one direction and ignore the love we have sitting right in front of us. Maybe it's a spouse or a child or a parent because God knows that we need love. And I feel like at some point our vision gets obscured and the very things that are germane to life are hidden, but perhaps they're hidden in plain sight. You know, my wife uh, had been with me for several years, I was right in front of her, but she couldn't recognize real love. She had other people in her eyes, and she couldn't see that I was making the sacrifices that she was singing about. I was bringing the sweet devices, but she couldn't see that I was hidden in plain sight. Perhaps today I pray as we go through the scriptural text that what's been hidden in plain view could be something that could ignite a fire in you, a passion in you, a, a, a life in you, and restore something that may have been, been lost. So let's turn to John uh, chapter two. Remember, we, we're, we're going through the book of John, but our last year is green light. We'd already uh, done, the, done the first chapter, and, and we're gonna be going through um, the I am. Some people say that there is eight I ams, Uh, in the book of John, there's, but we believe there's hidden I ams and we're gonna prove to you there's some hidden I ams that are right in plain sight by taking you through John chapter two so you can see something about God. Okay, so let's read together and see what the scripture might reveal to us. Um, So I'm gonna say, ready, read, and let's just read down to the third verse at this point and then we'll read it all together. At home, um, the scripture will come up on the screen Ready, read. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Verse four, verse four as well. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Come. Now, I, 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 I was having a difficult time falling in love with this particular Bible verse because it, 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 I was a little bit disconnected from it, but I found uh, great reasons to be connected as you look. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm glad to know that Jesus uh, was someone who got invited you know, a lot of times when we're, when we're single or when we're not the person that is getting married, sometimes our own lack or deficiencies come up. And in society now, and sometimes in church, if you don't already have a family or if you're not already married, someone almost wants to look at you as if you're incomplete and you can't have a full and fulfilled life. I love that Jesus as a single man was actually invited to a wedding, attended, and he came with his friends and he had fun. Uh, Jesus, uh, as an invitee, uh, you know, he was from a small town, um, Nazareth, you know, probably a lot of people knew each other, but he, but, but he wasn't well known. In fact, the last time we've heard from Jesus was at 12 years old. And then the things we, we learned from 12 to 30 was that he, he learned obedience to the things he suffered. So he just grew up and had a normal life. Um, he was not prominent um, he didn't have any majesty. The scripture says in Isaiah that there was no beauty about him, that you would desire him. You know, he was like hidden in plain sight. You know, he, he he was around a lot of people, but you you didn't quite know who he was. Now, a small group of people, his disciples are starting to know who he is and believe who he is, and they're going to follow him. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I love that Jesus, yes, a single man, but he's hanging out with friends. I want you to notice this you might be single, but there's no reason to be alone. God made you for community. And I know we've been talking about small groups, and maybe the I Am series is the way where you're going to kind of overcome that that loneliness and that being alone. Jesus hung with his friends. Jesus was with people. And when he was with them, they were not doing work at the time. It wasn't um, like purposeful like let's go and heal this guy or or preach a sermon he was going to have fun and celebrate and relax now the context or the the, the setting that jesus was going to was really really kind of cool you know a jewish um wedding i wish we kind of did it like that before the families would get together they would make an, a, an arrangement between some somewhat of probably a 13 year old girl and guy or a 13 to 18 year old somewhere in around around there they make the deal, the, the, they, would, they would decide the bride price, which was like, you know, if, if something happened to the marriage, then, then they would actually want to do something to give to the woman to keep on living with her life or for the loss of the family. But the man would go away and begin to prepare a place. I love that Jesus takes us to a wedding because that's what he's going to do eventually. He's going to go away and prepare a place. He would prepare a place that was connected to his father's house. He would build a house or or something and 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 it would usually take a year for him to do all that he needed to do to prepare and it was a great deal of expense. That's why it took so long because you had to get the bride price, you had to get ready to pay for the wedding, you had to build a house. That's a lot going on. So a lot of times people want to be married in our society, but you need to have a lot going on. You need to be working for the life you want to give to a spouse. Remember, because love is not what you get, but what you get to give to another person. And so so you do all that. And then what, what happened was when Jesus is invited to a wedding, he wasn't invited to a ceremony day. He was invited to a week long celebration, somewhere between five and seven days. People would just go throughout the town. It's almost like a community event. Everyone was to come celebrate and be uh, at this wedding. And, and one of the major features was they were going to have, you know, wine and food. Think about the expense of feeding people all of this time. Um, and so we can, we can see here that it was a festive atmosphere. And it was a great opportunity for us to see something about Jesus that's really critical. Number one... Jesus' association with a wedding helps you understand his heart toward marriage. And I, I wanted to—I uh, didn't give them the scripture, but I, this morning I was just meditating on this, and it's in Matthew 19. Uh, later on in Jesus' uh, uh, ministry, the Pharisees are going to try to trap him. This is one of the most critical scriptures to defend the institution of marriage. I've got to read it into your hearing thought this was an appropriate place to bring it up because it's hidden. He it says, now, when Jesus has finished saying these things to the Galileans, this is uh, uh, Matthew 19, uh, verse 1. A large crowd followed him, verse 2, and, 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 he, and he was healing them there. Verse 3, and the Pharisees came up to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? And he answered, have you not read He who created them from the beginning made them male and female. And he said, uh, therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother and shall hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So you see that God, when Jesus is asking the question about divorce, he goes back, he said, you need to go back to the beginning in order to figure out what I established about marriage. And what I established about marriage is it's between one male And one female coming coming together in in an intimate union, and I was being married. This was my design. This was right through. So where there was a question, he said, let's just go back to the beginning. And then they said to him in verse 5, he says, uh, uh, verse 6, so they they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together that no man put asunder, he said, uh, or no man separate. Then they said, well, Moses commanded that be given the certificate of divorce and to send her away. And he said, because of your hardness of heart, Moses was allowed to write, the, uh, to, to allowed you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. I love that no matter what goes wrong with the institution of marriage, no matter who has the wrong outlook about it, Jesus takes us back to the word. Jesus takes us back to the beginning. Jesus takes us back to when he, as God, established what it should be. And now we see him actually celebrating this. And it, but I want to keep reading because I told you this is an important scripture in your small group time for you, if it comes up, for you to be able to talk about. And he says, verse 9, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. In other words, if I've had to have restrictions and I've got to have rules and I've had to have these type of guidelines and I'm going to be bound uh, by the very words that I say at an altar, it's better not to even get involved because that's a lot of work. And, And here's what Jesus' response was. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those who it is given. He said, yeah, living by my word, living by my instruction, that's that's hard. He said, for there are eunuchs who were given from birth. There are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men. And there are eunuchs who made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who's able to receive this, receive it. I just thought that it was important while Jesus is at a wedding to give you a little nugget of how powerful Jesus felt about marriage, how powerful he that he brought it back to the word of God, that he would actually be in a celebration about marriage, but he did not dismiss the quality of singleness. He says, some of you are eunuchs. You were born that way. In other words, you don't have sexual desire. You don't have a desire to be in a, in a covenant relationship with the, with the opposite sex. Some of you have, have, um, were born this way, some of you were made this way, maybe like the people who served the king and were ser- serving his heir. And, and some of you have chosen for the sake of the kingdom that you're not gonna marry. And I wanna tell you something, if you are single, you haven't done anything wrong. Jesus was a single man who could celebrate marriage and celebrate his singleness at the same time. This person with this level of perspective was invited to a wedding. And because he was invited, uh, you knew that that he that he enjoyed who he was, a bachelor and his friends. And he also enjoyed the covenant of marriage as as God established. Now, his mother comes to him and this is quite uh, interesting and said, Jesus. uh, The wine is gone now, a lot of people have different perspectives about why Mary came up with the, re, uh, you know, to Jesus talking about the wine. Maybe she was hosting a party. Maybe she was helping. Or maybe she saw that the wine was running out and it would be a great embarrassment. You know, in Jewish culture uh, where status was was a lot to to not to, to start the wedding and betrothal process and not be able to finish would be a great shame. You know, it would, their, their, their wedding would be a mockery. They would start off with a, a lot of trouble and stress and so she comes to Jesus and says they're out of wine, and he's like, Hey, uh, I'm at the party. I'm just having fun. And, and he's like, What does this have to do with me? But here's where we see the hidden I am. See, Mary knew what his name was it was Emmanuel, meaning God with us. Mary didn't just leave him as a man of flesh. Mary didn't just leave him as her son. Mary didn't just leave him as a carpenter. Mary saw him as God with us. Mary saw him as the God of Exodus uh, 3.14, where Moses was in a uh, Moses was called up to a mountain and saw a, a bush that was burning that would not be consumed and he walked up to the bush and was trying to figure out what was going on and 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 from the bush it said, "Take off your feet because this is the holy ground and who are you?" he said, "I am that I am I am all sufficient I am the uncreated creator I am all powerful I am whatever I need to be he, uh, he is." whoever he needs to be at any given time for any given situation, known or unknown. Mary was not addressing Jesus about the problem of the wine because she thought that he had a secret vineyard somewhere. Mary was not addressing him because she thought he had some rich friends that can just whip up some wine all of a sudden. Mary was addressing him because he is the great I am wrapped in flesh. And and when Mary addressed him, she knew this, this statement. I am for you. She knew that whenever Jesus showed up, I am for you. His name means savior. His name means rescuer. His name means deliverer. Whenever the great I am shows up, he's there to rescue. She said, I'm not just tapping into your, your, your human, your, your, your human cognitive, physical ability. I'm tapping into who my God is. Woman is before my time. Last time I told you when I was 12, I was in my father's house about my father's business. You made me come home. And he learned obedience to what he suffered. But now she said, you're going public now, baby. I I, I don't want to just know you as my son. I I want them to know you as my savior, my rescuer, my healer. See, when you can see not Jesus the invitee, uh, not Jesus the friend, not Jesus the one that came from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? No, you have to see him. Then like Mary, you'll hear him or perceive, I am for you, so invite me. I am for you, so invite me. She, he didn't say these words to her, but that's his essence. I am for you, so invite me. Invite me in anything, everything. I'm available to those who see me. The crowded room, the host didn't come to him. The bride, the bridegroom didn't come to him. But his mother, who, could know, who knew that Jesus would say to her, I'm for you, so invite me. You know, there's been times when Jesus will invite himself. It's so important that you know him, he'll invite himself. He invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus, I'm coming down to your house, and he gets to the house, and he says, today salvation has come to your house. So no matter what you're going through today, I want you, especially when you get in your small group and you talk about this, to figure out how you can invite Jesus, because he's saying, I'm for you, so invite me in. Now let's go on to the uh, fifth verse, and let's just read the fifth through the tenth verse together. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some exhortations about it. Okay, uh, ready, read. His mother said to his servants, do whatever he tells you. And there were six stone water jars there with the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. Uh, so they took it when the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom in verse 10. And he said to him, everyone who serves the good wine first, and when people have drunken freely, the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. Now this is a a great parallelism that I believe that that Jesus is is using. Number one, I want you to know Mary's request did not catch the great I am, the all knowing one, off guard. The Bible says that he, but that the Father, everything that he does, uh, he and the Father, he'd already seen the Father do, or he'd already heard the Father say. So, so he 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 already is prepared for this moment. Um, he, he could have used uh, the ability to just, as the creator, to say water appear or wine appear. But he takes something that is already in the room and he says, I'm going to use this. I want you to know that, that Jesus, when working miracles, and a miracle, if you want a definition of miracle for you to write in notes, write this down. A miracle is a divine interruption to the natural order of things. A divine interruption to the natural order of things. Typically, when he's doing miracles, or when they did miracles in the Old Testament, he part, he uses you to participate in some way. He told uh, they, the prophet told Naaman, "Go dip." In the, in, the, in the Jordan and he'd be healed from his leprosy. Uh, when, the, uh, when the prophets lost the axe head, they, they threw a stick in the water and the axe head floated. He could have gotten it without them doing something, but it's something about you participating that helps you um, to, to believe in him. And, and so uh, when they were raising Lazarus from the dead, they said, hey, he said, I want you to remove the stone. So you can see Jesus allows us to participate. I love that he, he, he tells them, Uh, Mary Mary tells them, because she can see the I am that's for you. And he's invited in. She said, do whatever he says. Do whatever he says. How the world could be a better place right now if we listen to that narrative? Do whatever he says. How could everything just work out uh, politically, uh, racially? Um, economically, uh, the love, if we would just do what he says. So simple uh, conclusion. But uh, I believe when we see him as the great I am, we can feel free to do what he says, not part of what he says. See, when I I see he's a great I am, I can feel free to do what he says, Without fear, Mary says, "Do it." and I can imagine when Mary said this, she just left the room. I didn't say she left the room, but I can imagine she just just left the room. And because she knows, he's the great I am. He is whatever you need him to be at the time. She didn't know that he's going to do a miracle. She just knows he's going to take care of it. Jesus sees the water pots and he says, fill them up to the brim. I can imagine if they would have made the mistake of filling them up halfway, they would have had half the wine. I, 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 So many times we omit things in the Scripture. Ezekiel says, eat the whole roll. Do whatever he says to the whole, to the full, without edit. A, 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 a person in this church that was telling me uh, they, were, they were learning about tithing. It says, I was saying, bring the whole tithe, not part of the tithe, bring the whole tithe, the, the first 10%, the first, the fattest, the best into the house of the Lord. And they didn't understand that principle, but they just said they were going to test God during the 90-day tithe giving challenge. They not only tested God and he, and he did it. Within 90 days, they had canceled debt and they were blessed beyond compare because there's something about doing all he's commanded you to do to provide a blessing. So they fill it up. I also think that you can see this parallelism I was talking about earlier of, of, or this contrast between the water and the wine. See, the water to me represented, it was for purification. That's what those vessels was for. This, you know, so when they, when they were ceremonial unclean, they used it to wash their hands or, or to do purification rituals. And th- this was something they could do This is something that's Old Testament driven. Here's what you need to do. You need to slaughter a lamb. You need to do all of these things. It was all about their power. Those those vases were about their power to do their work. But what Jesus was going to show them was the new and the living way, because wine is always, you know, a parallel with blood or the covenant or his new covenant. Uh, It's about what he could do. See, they were trying to purify themselves, but no, Jesus bring purity. I love that all of these things point to him. They show you something about him. They show you that I am for you so you can feel free to do whatever I say. They filled them to the rim and they got more than enough. Remember, this happened again in, I believe, 2 Kings 4 uh, when the widow, widow didn't have anything and, and, and the prophet told the widow she had a little bit of oil And he told her, Here's what I want you to do because she was just, she was in debt and she was just thinking her and her son was gonna die. Here's what I want you to do I want you to go borrow as many vases as you can from everywhere, as many as you can. And the scripture says, And not a few. And then I want you to come into the house and close the door. And even though she had a little bit of oil in the vase, he said, She began to pour. And the oil would begin to fill these vases until all the vases were completely full, which was a miracle. He said, now go sell the oil, pay off your debt and live off the rest. Again, imagine if she said that was silly, that was stupid, that doesn't make sense. I don't want to do that. Well, show me why I should do that. Show me why I should forgive my spouse. And that's going to be the the healing that takes place. Uh, Show me why I should give. Show me why I should go. You know, but when you do whatever he says, you're going to get a miracle. Why am I saying this? He didn't want you to do whatever he says because he wants to dominate you. He already can dominate you. He wants you to see other versions of him, the great I am. He's a miracle worker because you need a miracle. Sometimes you can't get love because you don't give love. You don't want to become single and bitter, single and angry, single, single and cynical. Keep giving love. Go on mission. Build the kingdom. It's a funny thing that happens when, when you're just interested in building the kingdom. You just look up and there she is, Debbie, whining. Hallelujah. And then you can get what you're looking for because you're looking for God. You're looking to serve God. He'll give you a miracle. He's the great I am. Do whatever he says. When's the last time you asked him, what do you want me to do? Are you unsure? Maybe you need a moment in your small group this week. Maybe you need a moment after this, or maybe you need to come to prayer and say, Lord, Lord, what do you want to do? Because I definitely am a candidate for a miracle. Let's look at the last two verses as we bring this to a close. Let's go to verse 11 and 12. This is the first of his signs Jesus did in Cana in Galilee and manifest his glory and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples and they stayed there for a few days. I love this. They had already believed But he said, when they saw this sign, they really believed. (laughs) It's like you, 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 you need little things along the way to keep reminding you, you're serving the right person. You made the right decision. And every time you see him do a mighty work, a miracle, a breakthrough, a salvation, it should amplify the fact that you are believing in the right person. He is doing all of this so you can know I am for you so you can believe. He's showing up at a wedding where he's just an invited guest and helping people. Wow, I am for you so you can believe. You know, when you believe, uh, Naphtali, uh, Bartholomew, the last person uh, called to be his disciple in verse uh, John 1, 51, when you go back in your lesson later, he says... You, you're, you're believing me because I showed you that you were sitting under the tree. He said, but I'm going to show you greater than this. You'll see angels ascending and descending, and, and you're going to see the, the glory of God manifest. And now they're at a wedding a day later, and he's seeing the glory of God so he can believe. You know, there's a the scripture that John, the, at the end of the chapter, John chapter 20 Verse 30 and 31 says this, so all of us can understand the purpose of this book of John that we're going through over the next several weeks. Look at John 20, verse 30 says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are now written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, the Rescuer, the great I am, the son of God, and that by believing you might have a life in his name. One verse says you need to have eternal life. Another verse says you need to have a life. What's hidden right in front of you is the life giver. Everything is held together by the word made flesh, John 1:14. His mother saw who he was. And so when you see that he's the great I am, you can invite him in. Many of you need to invite him in. When you see that he's the great I am, and you say, you know what? He says to you, I'm for you. You could do whatever. You can feel free to do whatever I'm saying. So invite him in, and then you can feel free to do whatever he's saying. But ultimately, he's the great I am. I, I'm for you so you can believe. And let me tell you something about those disciples and his mother. I love this about Jesus. He didn't, he didn't hang out there and, and start doing other things. He left that party with his mother And his disciples, and they all went home together. And they all did regular life. There's something I want you to see about this Savior as magnificent as he is, as powerful as he is, he was smooth. He wasn't rude. He wasn't brash. He wasn't um, posting on social media everything that he'd, he'd ever done so that he could be elevated. He was on mission, but his mission, It wasn't just to save the world. It was to live as a man, to show you how to live. You know what? We call this Valentine's Day. I love that he showed love and respect and care for the people around him. I love that he went home with them. I love that about him. Maybe all of your small groups, you do. Don't neglect to do one with the people right around you jesus would do it go sit at a table go open up the word and learn about this great i am he wants you to believe in him he wants you to ask him well, he wants you to invite him in you invite him in and the dead can be raised because he's a resurrection in the life you invite him in and he can give you a miracle breakthrough a forgiving heart a debt cancellation Blind eyes being open. He's whatever you need him to be. That's what his name means. He's all sufficient. He's all knowing. He's the uncreated creator. He's like he said to Moses. I am. I am that I am. Everything. Anything you need. I bet when he said that to Moses. Moses didn't think one day there'd be a rocket. He didn't think one day there'd be a, a television and all the stuff we had. But God knew he's eternally the great I am. I want to pray for you three prayers. I don't ever want to forget the loss. And even God could be pounding on your heart right now saying I am the way. I'm the way to life here on this planet. I'm the way to eternal life. I'm the way to love. And I've just been hidden from you. But if you can see me, you'll be seeing me say I am for you. Invite me in. He says, Behold, I stand at the door to knock. If any man opens to me, I'll come in. I'll sit with him. Don't you hear him knocking? My first prayer is for you, that you would open up and let him in. My second prayer is for us who who, who know who Jesus is. Like Mary, we need some more declarations. Do whatever he says do. What is he telling you to do? Well, I don't know. Well, ask him. Ask him. Do whatever he tells you to do. And be like those servants who did all of it. Lord, I want to be like that. I'm going to be included in that prayer today. But ultimately, I pray for all of us. That we would know, and hear him say, I'm for you. So believe. The sign, this book of John is so we can believe. So let me pray. For those three groups. Lord, for those who have never called on Jesus or those who need to come back to you, I pray that they will see you clearly, not hidden, not obscured from view, but see you and say yes to you. Whoever call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I pray that you will see him and invite him in. He stands at the door and knock. Let him in. I know you might feel like crying right now or or laughing right now because you were excluded from life and now he gives you life. And I pray that you said yes to Jesus. Second group, Lord, I'm including myself in this. I wanna know you as the Great I am so that I'll be able to feel free to tell you, to, to say, I'll do whatever you say, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is. Lord, I renew it, whatever it is. I'll go, I'll surrender. Oh, I I, I sense some people. God's changing your heart and mind right now. Whatever it is, whatever it is, trust him. Finally, Lord, I pray for all of us. That as we read John, we believe. As we stay in our small groups, we will believe. As we plan our outreaches, we will believe that the signs you've given in John will be the same signs that will be given, that those signs can be given again we just believe if you would show the disciples your glory if you would show a wedding party your glory show us in this generation more of your glory that we might believe cause the wayward son to come home and believe cause the broken family to be healed and believe in who you are in jesus name amen now many of you watching today you say yes to jesus for the first time i want you to put it down in the chat or I want you to get in touch with a church or a Bible-believing church. Suddenly you said, I'm going to do whatever he said to do. So that means showing up to church, showing up to prayer, showing up to small group. That means showing up and participating in kingdom advancement, showing up by getting rid of anger, getting rid, you know, go out, and do it. As you leave today. Yes, you might want to receive love, but he bestows love. Hereby we perceive the love of God because Christ laid down his life for us. We lay down our lives for others. In other words, give what he gave. Don't wait on somebody to give to you. You give love away today. God bless you. We love you. And thanks for being at Bethel. In Lord's will, I'll see you at 6 a.m. prayer on Wednesday. I'll see you at noon and 7 and back here on Sunday. God bless you. You are dismissed.